Hey, it's Rod. Welcome to the Weathercock Podcast. Ready to learn something new? I hope you're having the most amazing day of your life today. And thank you for coming back and having a listen to part two of my conversation with Pauline Gruet, our guest of the last week. And I have to tell you, while editing our conversation and mixing the sound and all the little things that I have to do before actually releasing the podcast, having a second listen made me realize something. And maybe this is something you've realized also is when we're having a conversation with someone, we try to be in the moment. We we absorb what the person is saying to us, but often our mind races to another question we want to ask or gets curious about something that we thought about while that person is speaking, which makes it that we're not actually actively listening. We're listening, but we're not actively listening where we're actually really getting down to the bottom of what that person is saying and the message that she's relaying or he's relaying to us. So while listening to our conversation, Again, I realized that there was a lot of stuff I didn't catch the first time that I caught now while working on the podcast. And uh, that's where I think the beauty of podcasts are, is that you get to listen and re-listen to this podcast as many times as you want and catch things that you didn't get the first time around. And as the, I guess, host, I myself listened to it again and realized there's a lot of things that, that, that were said that I didn't remember and now I listen to it, I really get just how many layers of deep this conversation went to. So I hope that uh, part two will light you up. I'm wondering how part one did for you. It was heavy duty emotions, but necess- necessary so that we that we talk about it so that we get to part two where the light comes into the tunnel and there's a way out. And as I've said earlier, In the last episode, Pauline is much more than just a survivor of this. She is the dictionary definition of strength. And listening to her journey just makes me want to say anything is possible, no matter how hard the challenge is. If you put your mind to it, you can lift yourself up and get out of it. And in this part of the conversation, it's all about that. And we get into some music at the end, and we actually are able to sort of weave it together and make it like all come together with a simple word. I won't give it to you because I want her to talk about her favorite musician, but it's great how it all comes together and actually makes a perfect circle to the start of the conversation with her, her favorite music. So thank you for listening. And here's part two of my conversation with Pauline Gruet. There's always a way out, even if it seems like there's a a step is too small. Don't think of it as too small. Think of it as forward motion. Mm. That kind of like a domino effect that and and with physics, you know, an object motion stays in motion. (laughs) And um, think of it at that way, that to never give up on yourself, to remember who you are as that inner child, who is the inner 
you know, that little rod out there watching TV or, you know, listening to Iron Maiden, <laughs> rocking out. Still do. <laughs> that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's what I would say. Getting back to your journey, you were in counseling. You say the healing journey started there with things that were unlocking. And did you realize your potential at that moment? Did you realize, did you realize possibilities, opportunities going further down the road into eventually... Well, How did that uh, sort of pan out? Well, the one thing that I realized talking to this this um, counselor at the time is that this is something I want to do. I can I can help people in a different capacity and heal. Um, you felt a calling while being point, in therapy yourself. Yeah, at that at that point, yeah. That's when when I thought that I could really um, make a difference that way. Yeah, so becoming a life coach, yeah. It, I, I kind of knew then that, that this was not as a coach, but in some capacity, mm-hmm. psychologist, counselor, yeah. whatever. Um, and um, Service world. Service world, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when it, it, kind of, it kind of struck me that this is something that I would be really good at. But it, but definitely when you were saying before about, you had mentioned something along the lines of, um, um, did I feel that, like, did I understand my true potential? I, no, not even close at that time. Not even close. How many years did it take for you or months or whatever in terms of going to therapy, working on yourself, doing all that inner work? to sort of realize that all this, this potential, the possibilities and opportunities that were just waiting for you to kind of knock on the door and for them to open it up. When did that happen? Honestly, I was about 32 then. I'm 51 now. The last three or four years, I have done so much inner work. Mm-hmm. I've done a lot of work in the past six months with the superconscious and alchemy only now do i realize my full potential and understand my power so did everything lead up to that though like oh, from yeah. the from all the therapy oh, yeah. that you did all the way up to your your late 40s yeah 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 oh, and, like lego blocks everything was building itself up to for you to oh, have this big moment of epiphany yeah epiphany yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I'm just very grateful that, like I had said before, like, you know, just lots of different things from here and there that I took all and was able to um, build on it and was had the instinct, mm. that, that intuition enough mm. to build on all the skills that I had already acquired. Wow. You said it before, and I'm going to say it again, it's never too late. Yeah, exactly. It's never too exactly. late to start over. It's yeah. never too late to begin again. It's never too late to write a new chapter to your story. And this is what I'm all about. And this is what the whole Weathercock concept is about is that it's never too late to change your mind and start yeah. over again and get on that road. And, you know, I can totally relate because I learned about my purpose and found out my purpose when I was 48 years old. I could have easily at 48 said, I'm too old. I'm too this. I'm too that. I'm just going to continue doing this, even though I'm miserable, I'm not happy and I'm doing everything for the wrong reasons. It's never too late to change. But your story is one of courage, one of determination, one of survival, but one of strength, like 
pure strength and it all led up to you in your 40s changing your life around how did that come about like what the the, the epiphany happened but what was the next step well if we can go back a little bit to my 30s sure first mm-hmm. i i realized um i was helping my aunt move and yeah. there, a, a pivotal moment there was we were going through photo albums and there was a photo we came across uh, of this cute little girl and i knew everybody um because i was the main integral part in the family where everybody came to me because i was the one who got things done and organized everything i was the center of the family mm-hmm. and that everybody relied on even though i again was the only person with you know three kids and i was the single parent <laughs> but everybody still relied on me it's that and- strength showing off I, you know, I don't know if it was strength or stupidity. I don't know, but, but, uh-huh. but, but anyway. Um, and so I saw this picture and I was, I looked at it. I was like, Oh, like, who is this? And my aunt just looked at me funny. And she's like, that's Tatiana. Like, that's your daughter. I was like, I just lost it. I, I burst into tears. Cause that's when it clicked. I have to change. I have to change my life. I was in survival mode for my, like this whole time that I was not being mindful, being present for my children. Mm. So from that day on, um, my children were my life. And um, enough about me, I I switched my my health, I exercised, I totally switched, you know, did a whole 180. Um, And um, yeah, and my kids had a much better role model because they learned how to eat healthy and we were always in sports and we, you know, did unto others as you want to yourself. <laughs> and, and, um, I really showed them to appreciate any, because still as a single parent, I was forced to still be resourceful and frugal and everything else. The difference is that you can do it in a positive way and give back um, I did a lot of volunteering like for the hockey teams. I was mm-hmm. at the canteen all the mm-hmm. time. And I served on all the boards um, for all the sports, um, the PAC committees for school, um, president for five years, mm-hmm. um, and in French. <laughs> so, um, Super. <laughs> so I, uh, yeah, I was actually president for three years. And I had to do the meetings full in French with the DSFM. Um, that was a learning curve. Because mm. my my mom took me out of French because that would have been helpful. So um sorry, no sarcasm there, but <laughs> and <laughs> well for those who don't know, Pauline lives in Manitoba, which has a huge French community. Yeah, yeah. We're, yeah, we're Metis and and uh um I I I love the whole you know French aspect of it. And so so the kids being DSFM, because that's one thing, everything my parents did and took away from me. I ensured my kids had. You broke the generational pattern. That's what you said at the start of the interview. I started. And, oh, the conversation, right. rather. Yeah. And that's exactly what you did, right? You broke it into pieces so it doesn't repeat itself. Exactly. Ever. There was, there was no way I was letting my kids grow up the way I did. Mm. And so, and that was my mission. It truly was. Oh. And then when my my kids, you know, they got older, as they do, um and um i never realized how encompassing though i let them take over my life <laughs> mm. love them to death little buggers 
they're all like six foot four and well except for my daughter my boys are all huge uh but um love them to death but yeah I lived literally for them did whatever I could so that they did not have to have that trauma that I had to live through so then when in my 40s then uh we were talking about kind of the second round uh when my kids started graduating high school is when I started realizing that I'm going to be by myself like they were getting older and I, actually before that um my eldest was in about grade nine and I started having that fear of I'm going to be by myself the rest of my life what's going to happen when my kids move away and um so what happened is I got remarried for all the wrong reasons and he there's nothing positive about the relationship itself we moved back out to the country because my my younger son um had had ADHD had been diagnosed ADHD still yes you can add that on top of there so I was like in communication with the teachers every night that I consider that marriage to be a write-off I should have had it nulled right from the beginning you're repeating a pattern um he was not abusive um he was an alcoholic Mm. but he was not abusive to me or to my children but it was but but he lied like a sidewalk Mm. um he was very irresponsible financially basically that marriage was to because I was scared of being alone right and so it took me because he was still irresponsible with basically every aspect of his life. It took me three years to get out of that marriage. Then I was just on my own um, with the kids. They started graduating. And um, that's when I decided to start really focusing on myself. Um, how old am I? I was about 46, 47 around then. I just decided that I want to not only live a long time, I want to find out once and for all my paternity. That was another huge thing. I want to um, know who I am because that was my whole thing about being authentic. If I don't even know half of who I am, how can that be authentic? So that was um, my new mission. And so actually, I just, there's um, a TV station recorded my story or part of my story, that part of my story. And it actually just this past July, and it's coming out in January. Mm. And um, yeah, DNA tests and everything found one of my cousins. And it's, um, yeah, but I can't say too much about that. But just know that's on the radar (laughs) for January. I have to watch a TV show. Yeah, so so I um I, I don't even want to say the name right now because I might mm-hmm. get in trouble if there's a contract. No, in there. <laughs> that's fine. Non-disclosure agreement. Yeah, then I just really I met like everything happened. I just made that decision and everything happened. I met my current husband and uh his my mother well, my mother-in-law, his mom, um, she truly believed in me. The first time ever in my life. Between him and my mother-in-law, people who finally, truly, authentically, with their hearts, believe in me. Again, my 
life did a 180 and um i i came back to the coaching and jay's advertisements kept coming up on facebook and stuff like that i was like what have i got to lose let's do it it's um i've just been learning i've learned so much not just about myself and my strength and um what i'm capable of that you know i i'm truly here to to say that i've been there in so many ways that i've and it's one of those things that even though i'm only 51 years old i i've done so much mm-hmm. and i've realized even in, in the dental community there are so many other people who believed in me when i didn't believe in me right we went on a mission trip in 2019 um and we with uh, my dental dental colleagues and we helped um like that was an eye opener like i'll never forget it and we helped 672 kids things like that life-changing things that i've i've done your children were a gift but meeting your new husband was quite the gift being embraced like that in his family and by him also giving you all this love and also all this encouragement was the last kind of push you needed to actually become that authentic self totally and to really take that first step forward into everything that you're doing today totally totally he um he believed in me Mm -hmm. and i use the word strongly underlined highlighted um believed Mm -hmm. you know or belief he still does um but nobody had ever believed in me before right that i knew of that that presented themselves to me or you know or i just i wasn't listening in that capacity i just mm-hmm. I, I was too busy surviving right too busy yeah and you could have been closed off also after exactly. two marriages that d- did not work out exactly. you could have just had your arms crossed and said no more no never that's it i'm going to be alone for the rest of my life but you opened your arms to possibility of meeting someone new and you met, you know, the, from what I'm hearing, the man love, of your dreams. Yeah. Love of my life. Yeah. And love of your and, life. And, and keep in mind, it's not easy for him. <laughs> I, you know, he had a run for his money. That's for sure. Because I let him know right from the get go that, you know, um, there's certain things I want to do and I've had a hard life and I'm going to figure things out. I'm not sure how that looked or what it involved but he stuck it out. And, you know, for the first time ever in my life, like I I wanted to be loved, genuinely, unconditionally loved. Mm -hmm. And I have that now. And he showed that because we met online and I, um, in my opening, um, my um, title, whatever my catchphrase said is chivalry dead. And so, yeah, he, you know, he courted me as, you know, people should, it wasn't one of those things where like my first husband, um, we had already had my son, he was a year and a half old. And he's like, so are we getting married? <laughs> and I was sitting on the toilet. <laughs> I was like, you know, and he had, and he didn't propose nothing, hands me a ring. It was, everything was expected. He, and he actually threatened that if I didn't take his name, that he would take my son and mm. i'd never see him again things like mm. that so you know all that fun stuff so yeah so robin his is a godsend he's uh he puts up with me <laughs> something that i'm curious to ask you 
would you change anything in the past in order to be where you are today? Do you think that everything happened for a reason? Do you totally. think the dots all connect for you? Or is there something that if you could just not have in your past resume, you could wipe out, would you do it? Rod, if you would have asked me that before, mm -hmm. like years ago, I would have said, yes, I would have, I don't need to learn this. And there was times in my past where, you know, being Catholic and that whole phrase about, you know, the Lord's only going to give you as much as you can handle. There were many times like, okay, I have enough. Thank you. My plate's overloaded. What, what do I have to do to get a break? Many times I said that, but now where I am today in this moment, um, I'm grateful for all those lessons because I would not be the strong, independent, resourceful person that I am today, being able to relate to my clients on a totally different level. So I can now provide all of my experience and share this with the world. Right. Without minimizing anything that happened, it all connects. Totally. To what you are and who you are today and how you serve. Yes. So for everything that you're putting into your, your practice today and how you serve your clients, if the past did not happen, you would not be able to, to be able to, to help exactly. the ones that are in need, those that are in need. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. And that's, and that's why I work with very deep issues. Mm -hmm. Excuse me, because I, because I can, number one, I've been there. And I know how important it is to become genuinely, authentically whole. Yes. I know how important that is. And especially with the whole paternity issue, um, that was huge. Mm. Because, um, I, I, and like I said, I can't talk too much about that. But um, that was a huge part. And my mom still lied. I confronted her. And um, she still lied about it. Like, and that's just last Christmas, like eight, 11 months ago. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it, it's, um, it's one of those things where if I would have not had all of those experience and still have those, and as a person, I, I, you still, you never stop growing. And so now my boundaries, I've learned even more about boundaries, even more about um, believing, not only believing in myself, but my power and what I can do. Because I know there's so many people out there who will benefit from me talking. And I don't mean that arrogantly, not at all. What I mean is I was being told, as many people were, to be quiet, stop talking. What do you, like, you know, it's, it's all in your head. You don't know what you're talking about. Um, all of these things that they would just make it seem like it was nothing, not important. Well, now, you know what, to a little person, all of these things, they're saying it for a reason. Children are amazing. And they are uh, blessings to anybody who has children. Um, even if you don't have your own biological children. Um, when they speak, listen. Because they're not saying what they're saying for no reason. So if you're active listening, what else is going on about there? Ask those questions so that people know what's going on in their world. How can you make it easier for them? Because even as parents, you know, we get caught up so easily in all of the adult stuff and society, societal pressures. 
we forget. And that's one thing that I, I, I loved about having my kids. I, they taught me how to be a kid again. You know, that is I mean, so true. Yeah. Like, like I remembered how to laugh mm-hmm. and, you know, going tobogganing and, mm-hmm. and rolling down a hill, all of these things that it doesn't have to cost money. Yeah. And, you know, you can buy your kids things till the cows come home in the end. It doesn't mean anything. It's just a material object. Exactly. But from your heart, your time is the most precious thing you can give somebody. Mm. And so it's, it's um, so much more. And that is called creating new patterns. Exactly. New patterns for your kids to do that with their kids and their kids do that with their kids and so on and so forth. I mean, what, what a great lesson. And I mean, you say that and I can so resonate also. And I remember when my son was young and he wanted to become an NHL hockey player. The first thing I did was I encourage him and say, of course, you can be an NHL hockey player. All you have to do is work hard and play and have fun and you'll become an NHL hockey player. If he would have said, I want to become you know, a rock star, I would have said, you can become a rock star because I did not want to put any limits on their imagination and what they can be. That's part of the beauty of curiosity for children. You can become anything. You can become Superman and you can become a teacher. Whatever you want is possible. It's just the day that someone tells you you can't become that, that you have to choose one thing and you have to make up your mind and go to school for five years to learn about it. And then you have to quickly find something that you like. Then you figure out 10 years later, that's not what you want is what does a lot of harm into those patterns is we just keep repeating them. And then they say that to their children and eventually it doesn't get broken. So you end up with, you know, talking to people that have been doing the same thing for 20, 30 years and the only pleasure they get out of it is their five-week vacation or their retirement plans or their benefits, but no pleasure at all in what they do, no passion or or any purpose. So what you've done with your kids is encourage them to be who they are, authentic, but break that pattern that you've talked about at the start to make sure that they're on their own path. And that's beautiful. And I think it's a it's a great lesson that we should all learn as parents and pass that on to our our, our kids and hopefully for generations to come so that they can rewire themselves to know that anything and everything is possible. And you know what? And that's, and that's awesome, Rod. You're, and yeah, again, you're, you're right. And one thing that I would love to add to that, that lots of people um, rather than just going through the motions of life and just exactly just waiting for that pension, just, you know, the summer vacations, but when it comes to lots of people use the terms nowadays, you know, limiting beliefs. What is a limiting belief? Mm-hmm. Generational limiting beliefs. Yeah. I think historically and where what our ancestors has been have been through, mm-hmm. all of the wars, you know, all of them, the depression, mm-hmm. all of those things. So they were in survival mode. Yeah. Because they didn't have all the technology that we have. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so they so you have to kind of, and that's where um it made it easier once I understood that it made it easier for me to forgive them because I was in survival mode and they, and so little things like money doesn't grow on trees. Money was not easy mm-hmm. for many people, especially during the depression and things like that. So, or through the war and, and, you know, being seeing your best friend shot right beside you, everybody has seen those war movies, but um, truly putting yourself in that person's shoes and understanding what they've been through. When, when that person's directing that movie, it's not just a movie, their heart is in it. And that's the difference. And 
we can get all on the whole part about doing things with intention rather than just going through the day to go through the day to collect that paycheck. Yeah. Are you happy mm-hmm. where you are working? Yeah. Are you happy with your life? Are you, and that's the difference. Well, like we said earlier, I mean, I believe my parents did the best that they could with what they had as resources. And I have no doubt on that. And, you know, I know that they didn't wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure he never listens to heavy metal music again. I think all he wanted in the end, my, my, my father and my mother was that I become a good man and I have a good job and that I'm able to provide or whatever it is. That was, that was the thinking back then. It was nothing more, but instead of being comprehensive and listening, it was more an open and shut case. You can't become that because that's not a real job. A real job is becoming a doctor. It's becoming, you know, a, a police officer, whatever it is. And I understand that today. Right. But I mean, that's important that with all the resources that we have today, all the self development books that exist in the world and the parenting books and, you know, the podcast that we can listen, we, there's so many different perspectives today that there's no reason that we can actually not offer different perspectives to our own kids in letting them become who they want to become and let them find out for themselves what it is that they really, really want for their lives instead of trying to already put limiting beliefs on them and say that you can never become an NHL player because there's only one out of a 3,000 chance that you'll become one. That's that's already just squashing the dream. When in fact, that person, that kid can be the one. Exactly. Who are you to know? You know? Absolutely. Who are you to say that that can't be it? So it's a very, it's again, it's a, it's a very important message to uh, to send out to that. It's, and, and like, and like you said, it's, it's things that, you know, we don't say with any kind of malice or anything like that. We, mm-hmm. like we're not intentionally trying to hurt somebody, but, mm-hmm. um, but lots of times um, we say things without thinking. Yeah. And that's, and it can be so detrimental and, yeah. uh, especially depending on the child, of course, or the person. Yeah. But, um, just, yeah, being mindful of, of what you're saying. And Absolutely. You're saying. And, Absolutely. And, and I totally agree. Like, there are so many resources today. There's not one reason why people um, have to feel stuck or, yeah. or where, you know, be where they are. They, they can be whoever they want to be if they right. make that choice. Exactly. And you're a beautiful testament to that because the, the, the challenging life that you've had and the experiences and the trauma proves that you were not willing to accept the life that you had. You were willing to rebuild it and reinvent it to become who you are today. And with that mindset, you met the man of your dreams, the love of your life. You know, you've, you've nurtured and uh, raised three beautiful kids. And today you're a very, I would say you're not a survivor. You're a thriver with your business and you got all this stuff going on inside. Also an author, a published author with the bestseller also a testament that it's all possible. You just need to put your mindset to it. Just need to change your life and say, tell yourself that I can do this and take the first step forward. I want to add this, but my father passed away last year from cancer. And he said something to me when he learned that he had pancreatic cancer and that there was no way out. There's no cure. There's nothing. He said to us, to me, my, my brother and I, when we were in the room, when he announced that to us, he said, I wish I could have done more. I wish I could have done more. And when I, you know, 
as his sons, we said, you did the best you could that you did the best. And, right. you know, you did, you know, you're the best dad in the world. And, you know, we, we comforted him, but that sentence haunted me in a certain way because I realized, and today this is even part of my cur- my coaching practice is I talk to people about the deathbed sentence, which is to me, when I am on my deathbed, I do not want to say I could have done more. I want to say, I tried my best. I did my best. And that's all I want to say. I don't want to reminisce about all the good times and the bad times. I just want to know that I did my best in every circumstance to be a good man, a good dad, a good partner, et cetera, et cetera. And knowing that I can leave, knowing that I probably left the world in better shape than what I I came into. It's never too late to start over. It's never too late to begin again. It's never too late to say, I'm sorry. It's never too late to say, I made a mistake. It's never too late. You can change your life around with just one decision and start back on this healing journey of working towards your best self. And then when you get to that point, saying that just means that you can, you can leave in peace and not have those, those regrets. And what I'm hearing from you today in this story, this beautiful story that you've, you've, you've shared with us so openly vulnerably is someone who's doing her best every single day to become a better version of herself. Thank you, Rod. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> That's all you need to do. That's the victory. <laughs> trying is the victory. What are you doing today, Pauline? Tell us a bit about your, your practice, your coaching. You've, you're a certified life coach. You've, uh, you know, in your bio, you've worked with Tony Robbins. You went through the Jay Shetty program. Um, tell us what you do today. Like, in a nutshell, what is it that you do with, with your clients? What kind of clients do you work with? You have your own consulting business also in, in dentistry. Mm-hmm. Right. We're all curious to know. Um, okay, well, today, my clients, I work with professional women who um, feel like they're stuck in that toxic environment between, so between the ages of like 30 to, um, I used to say about 60 to 65, but actually my absolute, uh, one of my great, um, I know you're not supposed to have favorites, but <laughs> one of my, like, she was 70, and she's awesome, absolutely awesome. Um, and why I'm saying that is because in order to work with me, you um, you need to have done a little bit of that self-help because you know what, in terms of, you don't want to waste anybody's time. And it's, it is so, so valuable. You can't get it back. People who have already done some of the work so that we can make, spend the most time together. So those one-on-one clients, I spend my time um, as a dental consultant and working with dental offices because there's been a huge underlying shift that's going on in the dental community. And there's been such a, a stigma that they're expensive, they're money hungry, they're, they're, you know, they're mean, they're painful, they're, you know, and then all of the negatives come up on top of that, of why you don't want to go, the smell, the needle, the, you know, all of these things. And it doesn't have to be like that. And I know when I was an assistant, um, I took the time to talk with the patients and to some of the other staff when I was office manager to understand where is this coming from so that you can help them move on and make their job easier and make them understand another person's perspective. And it's not all about you. Everybody has their bad days. So I do that as well. Um, And yes, thank you for mentioning. I just became an author um, of a book. (laughs) Um, uh, There's 
17 of us uh, moms who were part of a book called Mompreneur, Mom Magic. And it just became number one bestseller. And I'm also- Amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's actually really exciting. Um, it's, been, it's been quite a learning journey just in that aspect. And I'm, um, I'm writing a dental book right now. Um, and I did have the title here. Oh, here it is. So with the dental book, it's uh, The Real Dental Heroes. Mm. Let's talk about the actual shift that's going on in dentistry. Mm. So that one I'm hoping to have out in the springtime. And then the other one is, um, it's my story. It's called My Story and uh, the, uh, the other pull-in because my mother-in-law's name was Pullin as well. And um, she believed in me. And it's just a story about my life and who I am, I guess now, just that shift, right? So that's, that's my day. And, um, and like I said, um, the TV show is coming out soon um, with my paternity and, you know, living every day to its fullest. I'm, um, we, were, we spoke a little bit about not passing on all these limiting beliefs to generations to come. And so one day, maybe I'll be a grandmother <laughs> looking very forward to that in my personal life. Um, and my husband and I are just living life, you know, the way we want, um, looking for passionate hockey fans also. Yeah. Yeah. Very passionate hockey fans, football fans. Um, and yeah, bombers couldn't make it one. Hmm. Oh, that was, that was not nice, but they tried hard. <laughs> they tried their best. They tried their best and, uh, it was a good game still, but, uh, and so, yeah, and we're just living, you know, we're living out our dreams, literally. Wow. So. I hope everyone that listens to this just gets inspired by everything that you say, your story, because just listening to you talk about all the stuff that you're doing, all these, these projects that you have, and being a thriver now, just, again, at the risk of repeating myself, is proof that you can change your life around no matter the challenges the obstacles, the trauma that you've had, if you're willing to do the inner work, if you're willing to work, understand, and then connect the dots so that you can create a new life and decide where the line goes to the next dot instead of staying stuck, as you said, this conversation is proof that you can do it. And I just want to thank you again for taking the time to really put it all out there and lay it on the table so that people can just you know, relate to your story and also see that it's possible to to, to, to change your life around and become this amazing person. I, I have a few questions I want to ask you before you leave. Of course. Okay. Number one, what are you most curious to learn about in the next weeks, months, years? What is it that you're most curious to learn? The most curious to learn. I'll add to that. I can even say curious to learn, to explore, to experiment. The immediate thing there's like five things that pop into my head <laughs> the biggest thing that i want to learn about is how to be a more when i use the word success um it's a different definition for everybody but i want to learn how to be the best entrepreneur successful entrepreneur that i can be mm. That's what I want. So that's kind of all encompassing and how to 
be the best boss, the best, you know, work with my team so that they can grow and I can be that leader for them. Mm. And, and we're working side by side. So along with all the leadership skills that I've already acquired, I want to, with, with that knowledge, I want to be able to give back to them and be able to take them on retreats. I want to be able to flip that around. That's amazing. Yeah. Question two, what does living a fulfilled life mean for you? It means peace. It means knowing who you are authentically, wholeheartedly, deep in your soul, and living that way every day. And knowing that um, you can still make mistakes, you're human, but getting back to the right path. So living fulfilled is staying true to yourself. Very wise. Question number three. You're standing in the room. Sorry. (laughs) Just waiting for it. eh? So you're standing in a room. There's thousands of people waiting for you to bestow upon them a piece of wisdom, words of inspiration that they can walk out with and be transformed. Take that step. Mm. It's going to be fearful. There's going to be those saboteurs coming in and those little voices in your head telling you, oh, you maybe not. And it's going to make you second guess yourself. But take the step. What have you got to lose unless you take that step? And to light it up a little bit, lighten it up a little bit. What's your favorite music? Your favorite <laughs> band? Because I'm a music nerd. So I want to know what you like. Okay, don't laugh at me seeing as you're wearing an Iron Maiden shirt. Ah. Um, no, because I, I, I love all music. Yeah, no, me too. I love all music. But the person who has most inspired me, mm-hmm. you're sitting down. <laughs> Uh, Boy George from Culture Club. Seriously? Yeah. How so? Um, He, when I was going through my worst time, through all the sexual abuse, he taught me to be myself, to, to ask whatever you have to ask, to not stop searching. And to, um, he, he was gay. There, he is gay. He, you know, he came out with his whole heart. I love men. There was nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. And he was his authentic self. Mm, It's true. And he openly, and you know what, he has been such an inspiration. Mm -hmm. I, oh my gosh. So when culture club came to the city, um, I think it was five or six years ago, I was in such awe of this man. Oh my goodness. I brought my daughter and she was, of course, you know, we're singing, singing along and everything. I probably sat there with my jaw, like, down to the floor because I was just such in awe. And <laughs> this might sound silly, but the outfit he was wearing <laughs> is not what I thought he would have been wearing. <laughs> and that sounds really silly, but I remember him with the braids and the different things in his hair and, like, you know, color by numbers scenario. Yeah. And I actually dressed up as him for Halloween one year and I won first prize. Wow. <laughs> yeah. 
cool. and so yeah no it's it's definitely um he has been a huge influence on me um otherwise i love all music rod i, I, I no no but I, i'm favorite. <laughs> sorry what did you say and that's why i remembered your name rod stewart i love oh him. rod stewart yeah yeah, yeah. It's true what you just said, just, you know, back in the day, I wasn't listening to that because I was full on heavy metal. And, you know, it's not that I hated Culture Club. Uh, I actually taped my first demo over a Culture Club tape. Oh, that's sacrilege. I know, I know. It was my mother's and I just put like two pieces of scotch tape on it and I was able to press record and play, you know, some 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 tunes with that. Anyways, that's a whole other podcast. Um <laughs> I'm just curious though, how, because I didn't follow Boy George back then, but how did you know he was gay or had such an impact on you? Because was it in the magazines back in the eighties that he talked about that? Or because I never really, you know, like I said, I hadn't followed it. So I wasn't aware, although, you know, he was everywhere back then, but it's like, I would probably skip the channel when I saw one of his videos, because I just wasn't listening to that music, but I have all the respect in the world for him today. I know that he's accomplished lots and I'm sure you're not the only one that that felt the impact of his openness and his courage to be him. Uh, how did you find that? Was it like through magazines or yeah, what was it? Like? It was everywhere. He was it was everywhere? He was always open about it? Like always? always. Well, okay, I didn't know that. Well, yeah, even even as a boy, he was different. Oh my gosh. Okay, that's a total another podcast there, Ron. I could spend, I could talk about him all day long. Oh my gosh. I just feel like Karma Comedian's coming out right now. Oh, just, <laughs> anyway. I have to go play the record after. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and so, so anyway, uh, no, he was just, he's always been very open about it. And he was sure. very close with, he had a really good family. His mom was very supportive and she actually sewed all of his, his outfits that he created and she was very supportive, mm. you know, and he was very open about it. And um, so him coming out as this male and he's not mm-hmm. a tiny male, he's six foot four. Yeah. His dad was a boxer. He's a big guy. He's Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but those cheekbones and that jawline being a dent in the dental world has <laughs> like a major jawline. And um, geez, I'm like girl crushing right now. That's okay. It's now. okay. <laughs> Great way to end. And so, um, uh, but no, he he's awesome. He he never and that's and that was another thing that my my especially my stepdad and my uncles were all like, oh, he's a girl. Don't no, you don't want to be watching him. And like right. and they would and they would just make fun of him. And it it's and. I'm sorry, but that's your own insecurities with your own, you know, mm-hmm. masculinity, femininity, mm-hmm. your own sexuality. So, mm-hmm. no, you know what? He was always very open, very um, be like, I think that's why authenticity is so important to me. Because if you don't know who you are, how the hell are you supposed to help anybody else out there? Even as a coach, and I say that authentically, there's a lot of coaches out there who have no experience, have, you know, and I say that with respect. Of course, but mm-hmm. at the same time, unless you're going to do the work yourself, who the hell are you to try and help somebody else? You may be damaging them. Mm-hmm. So you know what? Um, no, I, I I love George. I actually uh, one of my tattoos. I don't know if you can see that one. It's a. Uh, it I got it when my children graduated. Time is precious for his time. Uh, time won't give me time. Boy, George, I want to get his eyes on here. Wow. Because <laughs> he has his eyes, all his makeup on, right? And yeah, just yeah, yeah. see right through you. Mm. Yeah. Have you ever written to him or shared to oh, okay, the so- fact that he's had? Because I think, I don't know, if I was Boy George and I would 
have someone explain to me how much I had impact in their lives. And I'd be very touched by that. But that being said, I, I don't know. But you, you know, on, honestly, when he came to town, when he came to the city, mm-hmm. um, I had an opportunity because my girlfriend is awesome. She was going to get me backstage passes. <laughs> and the only reason I said no is because I probably just would have stood there and gawked at him. (laughs) I probably would have, because he was so instrumental in my development. I probably, number one, would not know what to say. Mm. I would have literally probably bawled. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. There's a saying. Now I might be able to do it. Mm. (laughs) But but uh, yeah, so geez, Rodney, maybe I'll get it. No, no, but I, but, I, but I understand. There's a saying that goes, "Never meet your heroes." Yeah. Right. Because yeah, he's, I would definitely call him one of my heroes. Definitely. Right. Even meeting him for three minutes could not oh. justify saying all that he means to you. With just being able to geek out, you know, and just shake his hand <laughs> or whatever, and just go, "Oh my God," you know. I still have a binder of all my stuff from when I was a teenager, all his posters and posters, towels, shirts. Um, Oh my goodness. I have a mirror with boy George on it. It's amazing. It's amazing. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Well, it just goes to show how much people can have impact on us in the strangest of ways. And, you know, it was boy George for you. For me, it was, it was Nikki six from Motley Crue that basically (laughs) saved my life. And, you know, that's an, again, that's another podcast too, but I I get it. (laughs) Artists, music, film, books have the capacity to completely save us from ourselves and bring us into this world where we can exist and be ourselves. Cause that's what artists are at the base. They're themselves hundred percent. Boy George is a clear, clear, clear example of, of that person back in the eighties when they're you know he was being laughed at and made fun of because of the macho world of of rock a lot more than that he was raped he was he was beyond bullied but the thing is he he was not scared to keep taking those steps and that's the big thing that i learned from him is as a coach now i say those important things that nobody else wants to tell you Mm -hmm. those things that need to be said I give him credit for that too, for teaching me that rule in a professional and sensitive, empathetic way. But I wish I would have had that. Of course. Growing up. Of course. And a good coach is not your friend. No. Is no. not your buddy. Is not your, your, it's not necessarily your cheerleader. They're there to challenge you to become that best version and help you take steps forward by, you know, asking not only powerful questions, but, you know, laying out strategies with you so that you can make that step and go forward. So it's all about a partnership, but definitely not about a friendship. One thing I want to bring up there that lots of people um, might use as an excuse is they will say um, that, you know, that whole, when that resistance comes up and right away, they're going to blame the coach. They're going to mm-hmm. blame whoever is, you know, saying right. that. And the thing is lots of people don't want to be accountable to themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's huge. Mm-hmm. So people who, if there's anybody listening out there who has started, you know, not just even coaching, but counseling, any kind of therapy or self-help, 
if you notice any kind of resistance and, and right away you're getting angry about something, look back, look in the mirror, take a look in that mirror. And why are you getting angry about this? Is it true? Is this how you honestly feel then? Or what are you hiding? Or what are you trying to not open up? Because you're scared. And that's where the coaching comes in. And it's Mm -hmm. so important is that we're there to hold your hand along the way. Yeah. It's okay to be scared. And it's okay to get mad. Mm -hmm. But be responsible. And that, by the way, is where my CBT comes in. My cognitive behavior therapy comes in. Mm -hmm. Because um, take responsibility for your actions. That's what an adult is. They don't put all of that onus on the child or anybody else. Beautifully said. Too many people are easy to point fingers. Pauline, it's been a heck of a conversation. Thank you again for being part of the podcast. And thank you for being so open and sharing your story with us. I think you will inspire more than one person today. And hopefully anybody out there is listening that's struggling with any of the issues that they've talked about, um, taking that first step forward into making that change and that it's never too late. So it's an important story to share. Thank you so much, Rod. This has been a pleasure. Absolutely. Well, it's, been a, it's been a journey today. It's been a journey. I love it. It's, it and it's come full circle. It's come yeah. full circle. It, it all has. you know started with your childhood and it ends up thriving at 51 but we go right back to childhood with boy george but it just weaves the circle perfectly right it's like a perfect circle i love that let's do this again sometime pauline sounds good sounds good it was a pleasure thank you so much for having me thank you for taking some of your time and your energy to listen to this episode if you want to leave a comment feedback i would love to hear from you and let's do this again in the next episode